0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. today at Canton Church that you chose to spend the very last Sunday of 2019 with us here. It's crazy that 2019 is almost over. Just a few days from now, mere hours from now, we will be into a new year, gone with 2019 into 2020. Not only are we leaving a year, we're leaving the teen years of the 2000s, right? And we're jumping in to our 20s and so it's exciting. I can't wait to see all that God does in 2020, but it's always great at this time of year to kind of look back over the year, see what all's happened, like Facebook just kind of blows you up with like all of your memories from the year. I feel like that's new this year, maybe they've done that in the past, but I feel like every time I open Facebook, there's like all of these things at the top of pictures and things that have happened in 2019, and it's just been a fun year, there's some incredible things that have happened in my personal life. There's been some awesome things that have happened here at the church. Like 2019 for Canton Church has been an unbelievable year. The growth that we've seen, the numbers, the salvations, the baptisms, the growth in our youth, the growth in our kids. Like it's been unbelievable. Signing for the lease of the downstairs, announcing the name change that's going to start next week. Like it has been a really, really cool, cool year here at Cannes Church, and I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that I get the opportunity to speak to you. Pastor Jeremy and his family aren't here this morning. He's actually speaking, it's 10.30, I believe he's speaking right now as well. He's speaking today at a church south of Atlanta called Go Church. Go Church is pastored by JC and Kimberly Worley, some of Pastor Jeremy and Corey's best friends in the world, and so they got to go down there. Pastor Jeremy speaking to that campus today there. They've got a second campus of Go Church just outside of Washington, D.C., and so it's really cool. Pastor Jeremy speaking live in south of Atlanta, and so he's speaking live there to that congregation, but they're also live streaming his sermon to Washington, D.C., and there's a group of people sitting in a movie theater in Washington, D.C., watching Pastor Jeremy in Atlanta speak to them live and so on. I'm just so thankful that our pastor has the opportunity to go and not just spend some time with some of their best friends and best friends in ministry, but they're also able to go. And I'm thankful that he's able to go and and really just minister to people and touch people's lives you know in 2019 pastor jeremy spent a lot of time like mentoring and pastoring and counseling other pastors and so i'm thankful to you from me to you thank you for allowing your pastor to really have an influence in the lives of other pastors and to just pray for them and be there for them And so I'm just thankful that he has the opportunity to do that today, he and his family. He'll be back with us next week to kick off Generations Church. He's kicking off a brand new series next Sunday. It's going to be a great start to our new year. But it's just really cool, personally for me, that I get to stand here and speak to you as the last sermon ever preached at Canton Church. You know, January 17th of 2016, we had our very first service in this space. Before that, we were portable out of Sequoia High School. We had our first service here, and that was when we officially were under the name Canton Church. It was on the building. We had the t-shirts, like all of that. And so just almost exactly four years later, here we are going into 2020, and I get to be the last one, and I get to say that forever and hold it over everybody's head, that I was the last person. I ended the era of Canton Church. But I really am honored to be here. I never take it for granted that Pastor Jeremy does allow me to stand on this stage and present the gospel. And so I'm honored to be able to do that today. You know, when when we look at our years and we look at, at this time of the year, you know, maybe if you're like me, you do a lot of like New Year's resolutions and, and you say like this is the year for this to happen or this is the year that I'm going to see this take place in my finances or in my marriage or in my family or at my job. And for some of us, this is a really fun time of year where we get to look back at some of our resolutions or our goals for the year. And we get to, like, put the check mark. Like, I'm a, I'm a list guy, and so I love being able to mark things off of a to-do list. And so even, like, my New Year's resolution, like, I write it out, and I probably do more resolutions than any other person I've ever met. And so, like, I write them all out, and it's a checkbox. Like, I check them off as I get to them. And I did pretty well this year. I think I, I succeeded in over 50% of the, like, 15 or 16 resolutions that I set for this year. And so I feel pretty good about that. And so, you know, for me, this time of year, like, it's looking back, and I'm looking at all of the things that I accomplished this year. But for some of us, myself included, I look back over the year, and there's some, there's some regrets. There's some some things that didn't happen that I wish would have happened. There's some moments that, that didn't happen that I really, really wish would have. Or maybe there's some moments that did happen that I really, really wish didn't. And so today, I want to talk to all of us as we end this year and as we enter into 2020 and all that 2020 might hold for each and every one of you individually and as a family and as a church family. I want us to look at this idea of staying faithful when frustrated. For every single one of us, there are moments of our lives where we're going to be frustrated. There are moments of our lives, myself included, I am guilty, that, we, that we're that we going to be frustrated at God. If we go back and we read Psalms and we read the, the stories that David is writing down, there are moments there, that David is lamenting to God, that he's frustrated, he's upset, that he's aggravated at what's taking place in his life. And, and if I could tell you one thing today... Know that God's a big boy. Like it's not going to hurt his feelings if you talk to him like you feel. Like don't hide it from him. Talk to God. Have those conversations. It's okay to just hash it out and to talk it out with God. There's going to be moments of our lives that we're frustrated. And in those moments that we might be frustrated at God or we might be frustrated because the prayer that we've been praying for hasn't happened or this didn't take place or this did take place, how do we in those moments stay faithful While we're frustrated at God. And so today I want to spend the next bit of our time together really looking at this idea. And I will tell you one thing. As I was preparing this, I had a moment where I was talking to God and I was was frustrated about some things. And And I had this conversation with God where I kind of just got to the place where I said, You know what God, if this sermon is for no one else in the room, it's for me. And so if this doesn't apply to you, I hope that it applies to your neighbor, and I know that it will apply to somebody in the room. But know this, if for no other reason God wanted me to teach this because he wanted me to learn it. And So if you walk out and say, that wasn't my favorite thing ever, that's okay. Just know that God's dealing with me in some things, and hopefully it'll help you along the journey as well. But I want to read a story to you. I promise I will never read this many verses at one time again when I take this stage. But we're going to read a lot of scripture together. We're going to read out of John chapter 11. It's a story of a man named Lazarus. Lazarus was one of Jesus' close friends. And Jesus would spend time with Lazarus and his family. And there was a moment where Jesus was away and he was with his disciples. And he got word that Lazarus had gotten sick. So Jesus is there with his disciples, and Lazarus is now sick. Jesus has been told, and instead of Jesus leaving in that moment to go and to see Lazarus, he decides to stay for two more days, and then after that second day, he gets up and he tells the disciples, okay, now let's go and let's see Lazarus. And we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 17, and we're going to read all the way through verse 44. I know it's a lot, but just bear with me. I promise it's going to make sense as to why we're reading. All of our scriptures will be on this. Screen today. I'm reading out of the new um, at the NIV. And so if you want to follow along on your smartphone or if you've got a Bible, you can do so, but you can follow along on the screen. But let's read together. On verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will will rise again on the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though... They die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see that Lord, they replied. Verse 35, shortest verse in all of scripture, says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the Lord you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I told you it was a lot. But that's the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. And so you have Jesus who had been away. He got word that he was sick, stayed for two more days. Then he shows up and he's met by one of Lazarus' sisters, Martha. And Martha's frustrated that Jesus hadn't been there yet. And then Martha goes and gets her sister and Mary comes out. And Mary's also frustrated at Jesus because he hadn't been there yet. And then Jesus goes to the grave and to the tomb of where Lazarus is at, tells them to move the stone. He calls out, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus rises from the dead, walks out. And it's unbelievable, and it's a miracle, and it's incredible, the thing that God can do through the power of Jesus here. And so today looking at this story, and we're going to dissect it over the next few minutes together, and through thinking through the ideas of how do we stay faithful when we're frustrated, I want to look at the process of frustration that Jesus really kind of walked them through, and they walked through as they were frustrated at Jesus. And now, not for every single one of us, this isn't the exact process of frustration that you go through. Maybe the steps are in different orders, or maybe you don't do all of the steps, but I do believe that for most of us in the room, a couple of these frustration and the process of frustration, I really do believe that we can connect to when we get frustrated, and hopefully today we can all get better at staying faithful to God when we are frustrated. And so the process of frustration, the very first process, the first step of frustration is oftentimes we're impatient. If we look back at John chapter 11, the first 21, it said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. We're impatient. We're an impatient person, people. Like, the reality for all of us is we probably would have reacted very similar to the way Martha did here. Like, think about it. He's been dead for four days. And so from the time he's died, she has had four days to think about this statement of, What is the first thing I want to tell Jesus when he shows up? Now, she's probably been stewing on this for a while. Like, think about it like you probably have never done this. It's probably just me. But, like, you've had those moments where you're driving home and you're just aggravated. Maybe it's at your spouse or your kids or a parent or whoever. Like, maybe you're just, you're on your way to see the person and you're just aggravated with them. And the whole time you're going there, you're thinking through, what is the very first thing I want to say? Right? It's just me that does that. I'm the only one. That's fine. Lauren, I'm sorry. Everyone else is better than I am. We do this, right? We're driving home, and we're thinking, like, what is the thing that I'm going to do that's going to stick the hardest? And so we've got it caught in our mind. She's laughing because she knows it's true. What is the thing that I want to say that may be the meanest, that's going to hurt the most, that's going to drive my point home the most, right? And so we get there, we walk in the door, and bam, we let them happen. And for Martha, for four days, she's been sitting here thinking, when Jesus shows up, what's the first thing I'm going to say to him? Not, hey, good to see you. Not, isn't it so sad that Lazarus has passed? No, Jesus walks up wanting to see how his friend is, and she walks up, and how dare you not be here yet? What's wrong with you, Jesus? If you had been here, he wouldn't be dead, right? She's impatient. She wanted him to be here when she wanted. Like you and I, we live in the fast food culture, right? Like I worked at Chick-fil-A for a while when I was younger. And I kind of I kind of wish I didn't because now I know something. I'm going to let you know something. So when you walk up to the register and you order at Chick-fil-A, All of the orders go on a board that sits above the person that's sitting there in front of the Chick-fil-A sandwich chute, the chute that just brings out the glorious chicken sandwiches from the kitchen. And so they're standing there, and they're packing the bags. They're setting all the food on the tray. You know which person I'm talking about, right? So they're standing there in front of the board, and the screen pops up, and now they take your name as well. So your name's on the top of your little order square. And then it's got all of the food. It's got your spicy chicken sandwich and your lemonade and your fry, no salt because you got to make things difficult. And then like the no pickle on this and add cheese on that, and you get it. Like it's you got to make it as complicated as possible. But Chick Fil A, they're gonna get it right. And so you're sitting there, and there's that food. And here's the, here's the trick that now that I know this, it drives me crazy. There's different colors on the board that reflect how long your order's been sitting there. And all of the orders are supposed to be filled while they're still on green. And so if I'm now sitting there, and I walk up to the register, and I order a Chick-fil-A, I watch my name on the board. And they better get me my food while it's green because they're Chick-fil-A, and it's fast food, and it's supposed to be fast. So I sit there impatiently, and I'm watching, and then it goes from green to yellow, and I'm like, it better not make it to red. If it makes it to red, like this place, like Chick-fil-A's lost it, never gets to red. And if it gets to red, I think that's really why now Chick-fil-A hands you the little cone and lets you go sit at your table so that you're just like distracted and not knowing it's taking a long time for your food to come out. But we're impatient, right? When we pray for something to happen, we, we sometimes say, but God, your will be done. But the reality of those moments is, is we want that prayer answered now. I don't remember the time that I've prayed something and I'll say, God, like I really want you to answer this. But if it takes seven or eight months or three or four years, that's okay. No, we pray a prayer. Our expectation of our timeline and our impatience of humans That we want God to answer that prayer now. And if you and I are going to stay faithful when we're frustrated, we're going to have to realize that it's on God's timeline and it's not our timeline. And there are going to be moments that we're just going to have to become more patient. People. I think it's so fitting that that First Corinthians chapter 13. It's it's often referred to as the love chapter in the Bible. If you've been to a wedding, more than likely they've read First Corinthians chapter 13 or a part of it during the ceremony of that wedding. It talks about all these different things that love is and love isn't, and all of these different things. If you've never read it, read it. Go read First Corinthians chapter 13. But I think it's so fitting at what First Corinthians chapter 13 says is the very first thing that love is. It says love is patient love is patient and if you and i are going to stay faithful while we're frustrated then we're going to have to learn to be patient the second thing in the process of frustration is that we want someone or we want something to blame kids are great at this aren't they like, if you have multiple kids, when you walk into a room and something has been broken or something is a mess, it's never their fault, right? It's always their sibling's fault. Like, when you have multiple kids, like, that's just the reality of the situation. They never did it. And if you only have one kid, or even if you have multiple kids, it's not their fault. It's your the parent's fault, right? Kids are fantastic at this of it's never their fault when something went wrong. But oftentimes, we do this, too. We always look for something or someone to blame. If we're running late, it's never our fault. It's the alarm's fault because it didn't go off or it's traffic's fault. Right? It's the guy in front of you that didn't drive the speed limit but drove seven miles under the speed limit. And that's why you're late. It's not because you just took your time getting ready or anything like that. Like We're always looking for someone or something to blame. If we go back and we read in our story in John chapter 11, if we go to verse 32. So this is after Martha had gone back to the house. She tells her sister Mary that Jesus is here. Mary goes out to go see Jesus. And this is what it says in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, this is eerily similar to what her sister said. I think they may have talked about it over these four days. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's not Lazarus' fault for getting sick, right? He's dead because it's Jesus' fault. She walks up to Jesus. Again, I've had four days to think about what do I want to say the moment I see Jesus And I'm going to walk up, and I'm blaming all this mess on him. It's not good to see you. How is your trip? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I'm so sad about my brother. Nope. She walks up to Jesus. She falls at his feet and said, this is your fault. If you had been here, none of this would have happened. In my life, the prayers that I've prayed that have gone unanswered, Things that I have begged God for, I've pleaded for, that I've hoped would happen. When it hasn't happened or it doesn't happen or it hasn't happened yet in those moments of my life, it's so easy for me to want to find someone or something to blame. It's never just because it hasn't happened yet. It's never because, well, it's just not God's time yet. Nope. i got to find it's their fault. This is all happening because of this person or this circumstance is causing this. When you and I are frustrated, when we're trying to stay faithful while we're frustrated, one of the things that we have to watch out for is making sure that we're not just looking to point blame at other people or at other things. The third thing in the process of frustration that sometimes you and I can walk through while we're trying to stay faithful is that sometimes we doubt even when we see hope. I thought this was really cool when I read this story. I'd never really paid attention to this moment, but it really is a powerful moment. In verse 38 and 39, they're going to have it on the screen. Jesus said, or this is what Jesus said, what happened? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Jesus walked up to this and he said, Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Now Mary and Martha, and while he was still alive, Lazarus, they were close to Jesus. If they hadn't firsthand seen Jesus do miracles, They had at least heard about Jesus doing miracles from really, really close sources to them. And so this is a lady, Martha, who knew the power that Jesus had inside of him. And Jesus is standing here, and he's upset about his friend Lazarus being dead. And, you know, both sisters have already fussed about Jesus, and it's his fault that he's dead. And why isn't he there earlier if he'd only been there in time? And Jesus walks up, and he says, hey, fellas, go move that rock. And Martha turns to him and she says, "Oh, we don't need to do that. You he see, he's been in there for 4 days. It's probably going to smell when we open that. Let's go ahead and just leave that closed up." And I think sometimes in our lives there are moments that we do very similar things. That we start to see this little glimmer of hope and we start to see that there's the potential that the thing that we have just come to grips with that it's just never happening. Starts to happen. And sometimes in our lives, we get way more comfortable in the unknown misery than we want to allow ourselves to jump into this unknown hope. Oftentimes, our known enemy is way more comfortable for us to stay with than this unknown area. And so for Martha that day, she knew that her brother was dead. She had kind of come to terms with that over the last four days. And when Jesus says, open up the tomb, a part of her had to have thought, is Jesus capable of raising him from the dead? But instead of saying, do it, let's see what Jesus can do, she said, let's not do that. I've come to terms with my situation. I've come to grips with knowing what's taking place. And so Jesus, let's just leave it closed up. Because it could be a little messy if we open it up. And for you and for I in our lives, when we start to see glimmers of hope, my challenge to you, my challenge to myself, is have the hope. When you start to see Jesus move in your life, when you start to see Jesus do things and to work, let Him sometimes you and I just kind of put this wall up and say, no, I'm, I've gotten comfortable where I'm at. I've gotten used to my misery, and so I'm just going to stay right here in it. The fourth and the final aspect of the process of frustration is that Jesus is bigger than any of our frustrations. Jesus is bigger than anything you and I have ever, are currently, or will ever face. If we look at John chapter 11, the final verses, verse 41 through 44, it said, Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here. What a powerful reminder like, what if we started every prayer with, Father, I thank you that you hear me, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. I don't know what year 2019 I don't know what a year ago today you were writing down that you were hoping for, believing for, anticipating that 2019 was going to bring. And you woke up on January 1st, 2019, and you were like, this is my year. This is the year that the job thing happens or the family thing happens, the career thing, the spouse thing, like whatever it was. You woke up and said, this is my year, and I don't know if you're not sitting here today so stinking frustrated because it didn't happen. And you don't know where to turn, and you don't know what to do, but I want you to know this. Jesus is bigger than your frustration. And as we look to turn the page to a new year again, My challenge to you, my encouragement to you, my prayer for you is that even if you are frustrated, I want you to stay faithful. Even when the things are going the way you thought they are and you're just so frustrated about it, I want you to stay faithful. Because whether it's going good, bad, or ugly, God is still good. And God is still faithful. And if we will stay faithful to him, it's going to all work itself out. So there's four prayers that I want you to pray during this next year. In the moments that you get frustrated and you're wanting to stay faithful, I want you to pray these four prayers. The first prayer is I want you to pray this. Jesus, when I'm impatient, give me patience. God, I'm one to stay faithful to you. I'm frustrated, but I want to stay faithful. And so God and the things that I'm frustrated about, give me patience when I'm impatient. Second thing, I want you to pray for yourself this next year. Jesus, help me to stay fair and to not take my frustration out on others. God, I'm frustrated. God, I want to stay faithful. And Jesus, when I get frustrated, Don't let me take all of my frustration out on my kids. God, don't let me take, when I'm frustrated, God, don't let me take all of my frustration out on my spouse. God, don't let me take all my frustration out on my coworkers, on my employees. God, when I'm frustrated this next year, don't let me take it out on others. Third thing I want you to pray this year is Jesus, help me to not doubt, but to keep hope. There are going to be moments where you may feel absolutely hopeless. But when you do, keep hope. Don't let hope die. When you have doubts, fourth and the final prayer. Jesus, help me to know that you're bigger than anything I have overcome. Everything you face this year go into this year knowing that your God is bigger than anything you've got to overcome. John 16, verse 33, it tells us I have told you these things. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 2019 may have been really frustrating for you. It may have been really good for you. And if it was really good for you, I am so glad. I hope 2020 is as well. But if 2019 had its frustrating moments, go into 2020 with a different mindset. Guys, can you put the four prayer points back up on the screen real quick? I encourage you, write these down. Take a picture of the screen. But in the moments of your life, when you get frustrated, when God's not answering the prayer that you thought he should answer, or the way you thought he should answer it, or in the timing that you thought it should be answered, turn to these prayers. Jesus, when I'm impatient, give me patience. Jesus, help me to stay fair and to not take my frustration out on others. Jesus, help me to not doubt, but to keep hope. Jesus, help me to know that you are bigger than anything I've got to overcome. 2020 and I want you to go into 2020 believing and knowing that it is going to be your best year yet but when you get frustrated, not if, but when you get frustrated, no. God's bigger than it, God's got it it hadn't caught him off guard he's not surprised by it at all he is in control with every head bowed every eye closed maybe you're in the room today and, and before you can think or know or even contemplate about either if you're frustrated or not at God maybe you're in the room today and you would just say you know today is the day the best thing I could do to start off 2020 would be to enter into a relationship with Jesus and so today, if you're in the room and you say, today I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I want to start out 2020 right by entering into a relationship with Jesus, and I believe that He is the Lord and Savior of my life. I just want you to lift your hand. Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Second thing is if you, maybe you're in the room and you have some frustrations. There's some unanswered prayers Or there are some life situations that have happened maybe this past year. Or maybe you're just waiting on God to do something and you're just frustrated. And so today maybe you just want to say, you know what, today God, I I want to believe more in you. I want to put my faith more in you. I want to stop blaming others. I want to stop pointing the finger, God. I want to just have all of my faith in you. And if that's you today and you just say, I'm done being frustrated, I just want you to lift your hand tons of hands. Thank you so much. Father, we thank you right now. First and foremost, we thank you for the hand that went up that said today is the day that I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. God, Scripture tells us that all of heaven celebrates even when one person makes that commitment. And so, God, for the people in the room that are contemplating it, even if they didn't raise their hand, God, I just pray that they would pray this simple prayer. Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Come and be the Lord and Savior of my life and forgive me of my sins. God, it's as simple as that. They can enter into a relationship with you. And, Father, I pray right now for the people that have some prayers that have gone unanswered and they are frustrated. God, I pray that you would be with them. God, give them peace. God, let them know that you are real, that you haven't abandoned them, that you haven't left them, that you're right there with them in this situation. God, I pray that they would not point the finger at others, that they wouldn't just blow up on their family or their coworkers or anything, that they wouldn't point the blame at others. God, I pray that they would would not make up excuses or anything. Father, I pray that they would just say, focus on you. And know that ultimately you are bigger than any of their problems. God, we thank you so much for who you are. In your holy and precious name, I pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.